located in the anterior skull are two globe-shaped, table tennis ball-sized sensory organs, and their job is to collect light and convert it into electrical or neural activity, and as such we call them photosensitive. The signals these organs produce can then be processed by your brain, and the result is sight or vision. We are of course talking about the eyes, and for the next five minutes let's discuss their basic anatomy. It has been postulated eyes have independently evolved 40 times since life began on Earth, and the very first primitive eye peaked into existence over 500 million years ago. So they seem pretty useful organs well worth our attention. Okay, let's start the timer that I never seem to listen to. If you look in the mirror, you can gaze inquisitively at the organ of our focus. And staring back at you is the tissues of the anterior eye. Now spoilers, the anterior eye largely has a protective function but with the additional goal of focusing and funneling light inwards to a specific area. But let's look at these tissues in a bit of detail. Started at the very anterior part of the eye, we encounter the conical-shaped cornea. This transparent layer protects or shields the delicate structures deep within the globe, whilst also helping focus the light that passes through it. Now, despite this protective function, or perhaps because of it, abrasions and damage of the cornea remain one of the leading causes of blindness worldwide. Your tears help safeguard this damage, and these, along with the action of the windscreen wiper-like eyelids, keep the cornea clean and hydrated. A continuous film of moisture is produced by the lacrimal or tear glands. Now, fun fact for you, your cornea has almost no blood supply, but tears provide most of the nutrients it needs. The white of your eye is called the sclera, meaning hardening or scar. You've likely heard of the condition multiple sclerosis that affects the brain and this literally translates into multiple scars or hardenings. The sclera of the eye is itself a hard, opaque protective layer, continuous with the cornea. Now covering the sclera and the internal surface of your eyelids is yet another protective layer. This one, just like the cornea, is again transparent or clear, and this layer is called the conjunctiva. The conjunctiva is a thin mucous membrane that is famous for becoming inflamed and giving rise to the common condition conjunctivitis. Right, back to the mirror then for this next tissue. At the centre of the anterior eye and deep to the cornea, we can see the colourful iris of the eye that encircles a central hole that we call the pupil. The iris is famously pigmented, providing a splash of colour to the otherwise slightly drab anterior eye. Interestingly, the name Iris originates from the Greek goddess of rainbows. You cannot fault our predecessors and how they named anatomical structures, right? Well, at least most of the time anyway. Now, the iris is a dynamic structure and it contains intrinsic eye muscles. And these have been discussed by Sam in a dedicated podcast previously. So go and search that if you're interested. These intrinsic eye muscles constrict and dilate the pupil automatically to change the aperture or diameter and thus control the amount of light that enters the eye to best suit the environment. Go try it out in the mirror. Gently shine a light in one of the pupils in a slightly dark room and watch both pupils constrict. In this case, you are protecting the sensitive internal eye whilst also optimising the conditions to best see. Now, if we pass through the pupil and just deep to it, we encounter the lens of the eye, a clear tissue that bends and focuses incoming light onto the back of the eye. The lens is also dynamic and it is acted upon by tiny muscles that encircle it. And these tiny ciliary muscles, as they are known, attach to the lens via even smaller suspensory ligaments. And these contract and relax to make the lens fatter or thinner 
to allow you to focus on near or far objects respectively. If you wear glasses, there is a good chance your lens needs a bit of a hand to focus the light clearly onto the posterior internal surface of the eyeball. Right, let's talk posterior internal surface of the eyeball then. At the back of the eye, we encounter a layer called the retina. This is a layer laden with millions of photosensitive cells called rod and cone cells. These cells are specialised for detecting light and colour respectively. At the very centre of the retina is an area that your eye aims to focus most light, and this area is called the macula, and at its very centre is the fovea. This part of the retina provides clear, sharp visual acuity, keeping your central vision focused. If you look straight ahead, you will notice clarity centrally, whilst your peripheral vision is slightly blurry. Most of the other parts of the eye we have already discussed play some role in focusing the beam of incoming light onto the fovea and keeping central vision clear. And finally, the photosensitive rods and cones convert the light they receive into neural activity and this activity is transmitted to the occipital lobe of the brain via the optic nerve, with the result being vision. There are two last aspects of the eye I wanted to mention briefly. It's what the eye is actually filled with. There are two fluid-like substances that fill in the gaps and maintain the shape and pressure of your eyeball. These are both called humours, and anterior to our lens, we find the more water-like of the two humours, and that we call aqueous humour. Posterior to the lens is a more gel-like vitreous humour, and a pathology affecting either of these substances can put pressure on the optic nerve and cause visual problems, and we call such conditions glaucoma. Right, now I better stop, otherwise this will be a 10-minute podcast. This is just scratching the surface. Thanks a lot for listening. We should do this again sometime.